Welcome to the Business Rents Podcast, where we have real conversations about the journey to being the best leader you can be in the workplace and at home. Well, welcome back to the Business Rents Podcast. Um, we are truly honored to have a great friend with us today. Um, I was I was in preparation today. I was thinking about how long we've known each other, and it blew me away to realize that I think this year is going to be twenty years. <laughs> it will be either this year or next year. The what, the first time we met was was twenty years ago, and so. Um, it's a privilege to have you on and, um, we're just excited to welcome Mike Schrodes to the business rents podcast. Yeah, man, it has been 20 years. I was thinking about that today too. I was like, dang, I haven't talked like verbally talked to y'all and looked at you in, in years, but y'all have always been the two type of people that know it, it's like Dave Gray and me, you know, it's like, it didn't take us three seconds to reconnect, <laughs> right? So yeah. uh, that might be that Yankee attitude we have. I don't know. So. <laughs> You're a little further north, and and right now you all you both get all the trash talking. Um, you all get all the trash talking points right now. Congratulations <laughs> if you're a Michigan fan. Well, um, I'm a Michigan fan. Corey isn't, so uh, no. Oh, oh, yeah. We're gonna edit that out. <laughs> Oh, Lord. There's counseling for her, Chad. This is a family event, right? I don't want to cause problems. Man, I, I tell you, I've been trying for 25 years. So you know what a Buckeye is, right, Corey? Buckeye. Buckeye. Yeah, what is it? Go ahead. I mean, I want to make sure I enlighten you, being that I'm from West Virginia, right on the border. So, yeah. Are you really familiar with what a Buckeye is? Yeah, you, we won't talk know, about it. That's a worthless <laughs> <laughs> I hope you want me on here still, Corey. I, I, oh, I just, oh, just grew up so close to Columbus that, and being a West Virginia fan what, my whole nut? life, um, you know, the Buckeyes, man, we just, well, we detested those guys. But anyway, <laughs> it is good to be here <laughs> before I get kicked off. And, and you want to send me that on, and I got to give you that honorarium back. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for some, some Ohio State right. action. Yeah, as you grow this, you'll you'll need to have budget for honorarium. <laughs> they, uh, they are they don't come cheap, as uh. I shared with you earlier. But it is a joy to be on here. It is great to see both of you. Uh, and yeah, re reflecting back 20 years. Um, a lot has happened. Uh, I don't know if you all would agree, but in 20 years, a lot has happened. Um, I, I am currently just kind of, I'll start current, maybe work my way back. Um, currently, I am a, a, an insurance agency owner. Um, also, I'm a board member within Family First Life. And what all that means is I get to do a lot of free work and I've built a business and I don't get paid for it. Uh, that's what board member means. Um, so I find myself on a lot of trainings, a lot of podcasts, a lot of phone calls with new agents that are just coming into the business. And um, I just try to encourage them along the way. It's sales. It's 100% commission. So they need encouragement. Um, and, you know, and, and I just try to be that person that encourages them. And I, I try to share with people throughout the country. Um the landmines that I've already stepped on so they don't have to step on them. Yeah. Um, because there have been a few times and I've been in the business seven years now. There have been a few times, Chad, that I made some mistakes that almost cost me the business. Wow. And, and I've, I've learned from those. Um, and I'm still learning. Uh, it, it's like, it's like life. Uh, business can give you some wounds that you have to heal from. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, but I, I really enjoy what I do. Um, I'm very thankful for uh, finding the life insurance industry like I did. Uh, it is very lucrative, and if you work hard, uh, you can prosper and do very well in this business. Um, but like I said, you it, you do have to work hard. Um, even even though I'm getting older, I'm in my 50s now. Heck, when we met, we were in my I was in my 30s. I was <laughs> in my early 30s. Um, uh, you know, I'm in my mid 40 mid 50s now. So. Um, I still 
strangely enough, and I'm a lot bigger now. You, you probably remember, y'all probably remember when I used to get out and run with the young guys playing basketball and, um, I couldn't do that now, not without oxygen <laughs> and probably be a good idea to have a paramedic standing by. Uh, but, um, I, I do, I, I still have strangely enough, a very good work ethic. Uh, and I can, I can still grind with the best of them. And that's what I've found about being successful in life. Uh, you all knew me when I pastored uh, a church. Uh, and, and I'm just, I mean, I think the older I get, especially where I'm at in life right now, what I have learned is if you can't grind, you're going to have a hard time succeeding. Mm. Uh, the grind is important. It, it develops you. Um, yeah. It develops character. It, 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 it'll let you know what you really are. When things, when you're trying to go forward and you keep getting knocked backwards, um, it's in business, in ministry, in, in family, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and you got to learn to grind through it. And and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think the grind can be a gift. Um, it, it can be a gift that that some people are going to say, you know, I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to fight. I'm going to win. Um, and and that is a mindset that I've found guys that very few people have. Mm. And that includes their marriage. That includes their children. That includes their business. That includes their spiritual walk. Um, there's every, every element of, of that. I've actually, and, and it was just like a month ago, I came to the epiphany. I was riding down the road and I actually like looked at God and said, God, thank you for giving me the ability to just grind it out. <laughs> because, you know, now I will say, Chad, I've stayed in some places longer than I needed to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. I've been like, oh gosh, why did I stay there? I saw the problem 10 years ago. Why didn't I, you know, why, why did I keep grinding right there for 10 more years? <laughs> um, but, but it is a unique ability um, to be able to just to, and, and I don't know why I'm going in that direction. I'm just, I'm just saying um, at, at 54, I still have that unique ability uh, to just grind. And when I speak it, like I spoke at a convention uh, a couple weeks ago, beginning of this month, there's like 6,000 people there. And all the young guys kept coming up to me like, dude, how do you do it? You just go. I'm always, they're like, I'm always watching you just go, 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 go. And, and, you know, and I, it goes back to just having that ability to grind. We've had a lot, I was sharing with you, the federal government got involved in our business not long ago. And boy, it brought us all to a halt. And, and, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not bragging when I share numbers. I'm just, I, I'm, you know, we're talking multiple six figure and seven figure businesses. Wow. And when that hit, bro, and you go down to, okay, you're making a few hundred, hundred thousand dollar numbers now instead of closer to a million, it, it can hit you hard. Sure. And, um, and once again, I had to grind. You know what? I, I mean, and, and sometimes you have to go back and do things that you 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 hired people to do, and now you got to go back and do it because if you don't, your business won't succeed, and you need that element of the business. So that means you know there's there's been times of late I've had to go back in the field selling insurance instead of just recruiting people and building a team. Um, but you know we're overcoming that. Um, some changes happened in our company. Uh, uh, throughout and you know it's it's part of it but guys i just can't share passionately enough how important it is that you just grind you're going to come out okay that's the good news right, right? <laughs> you're going to come out okay but just don't forsake the grind in anything in life you're going to have to do it wow yeah you know it's it's so interesting that you talk about that because i heard on a podcast yesterday and I had heard it before. Um, but I was, when I heard it yesterday, I was really reflecting on it more. And I even made a, a Facebook post about it. Um, but the, the, I was listening to a different podcast and it was, um, talking about how, um, it was with Gary V and, and he likes to say the eighth place trophy, how much damage it's done to our society and um i really feel like that ties in perfectly to what you're saying because i think having that that in you to to help you grind in hard times like it's almost 
a lost art right now because we've kind of like as a society are raising a generation that grew up on um really like on participation trophies yeah. i know that's you know that's a hot button thing but like if you get rewarded just for showing up it won't you you don't have to grind to you know to get an award yeah <laughs> and then right. it, if if that's what your experience is like growing up and then you get in the workplace and all of a sudden things are tough and all of a sudden um it actually matters how you perform um and and your ability to overcome things like uh it it's just scary how how many people really don't have that grit anymore like you're talking about yeah yeah and um so so with that said i'm also married to one of the toughest grinders on the planet <laughs> i mean you you all know laurie everyone takes laurie as this kind of like real sweet subservient wife <laughs> And she is. I mean, she's super sweet. She serves me, serves my kids, my grandkids. And we've been married 35 years. Bro. Mm. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. That's a long time to be with someone. And you think that girl ain't had to grind it out? She's been married to me for 30 <laughs> years, right? There's... There's times she probably wanted to grind me up and spit me into the <laughs> river or something, you know, put me, put me into, the, you know, those things that grind up logs with. She probably thought about throwing me into one and feeding the fish or something. I don't know. But, um, and I'm not saying this to be cheesy. Um, I'm just saying it in reality. Uh, you, you'd asked about things like that. You got to have some partners that's going to grind with you too. Yeah. Um, and um, my wife, I put on a podcast, uh, I put it on social media because, I, you know, I've really the last couple of years, especially I've really had to look at uh, who has stood with me through the thick and the thin, the rough, the roughest times of my life who have stuck by my side. And I mean, the first person I think of is my wife. Hmm. So I put on social media and I'm sure my my financial business partners didn't appreciate it. But I put on social media, the best business partner I've ever had is my wife. Mm. And because, you know, I don't know how important you all, I don't know if y'all have ever thought about this. Do you realize how important it is that your spouse be supportive of what you're doing? I mean, do you realize, I don't think we get the enormity of that because I get a lot of people in business that come up to me like, Mike, my, my wife don't support me and I have to be, I, I can't sugarcoat it. And I have to tell them that's because you jump from shiny object to shiny object. Mm -hmm. You don't work. You put your feet up on the desk. You, you develop cute little, little reels that you put on Facebook and you don't freaking work. Mm. And that's why your wife doesn't. And I tell them, that's why your wife isn't mad at you. That's why she doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, and I've had people come up to me and say, Mike, I've gone home and had that hard talk with my wife and, or my, and uh, one guy I think of said my girlfriend. And I told her if she wasn't going to support me, we were done. Mm. And now they're getting married, you wow. know? Wow. Yeah. So, um, you gotta, as, as husband and wife, you have to have each other's back. I can't do this life without her and, her health has gotten to a point where she can't do life without me. Mm. And, um, you know, we're, we, she, but she is dude, when times were tough and she got, you don't know how many times that precious woman handed me her check to keep our business open. Mm. Wow. So you, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have those people in your life, man. You, you got, you, you know, and we were talking about David Gray Every traumatic event I've ever had in my life, David Gray has stood by my side through everyone. And he knows, I mean, I'm talking times years ago where I was on the floor crying like a baby, nearly in a fetal position, totally about ready to lose my mind. And uh, David Gray's been the guy that's been there. Um, and Ken Tuck with Love and Action Ministries. I mean, these guys have been there. They have fought with me. And we all need that. And we need those people um, that are going to be standing in the rain with us when, it, when they could be dry. Yeah. 
Absolutely, man. That's so true. It's that's so true. And it, it's amazing how those people in our lives, um, how we, those, those close relationships that you talk about, it amazes me how we kind of take turns being that for each other, right? Like, like sometimes you're strong, like you were saying when your spouse isn't, and then sometimes it's the other way around. And, um, it's just amazing how those people in our lives can, can make so much difference just at the right time by just being strong when we're not strong. Yeah. But that, and it's exactly what you just said. They give you the strength, you know, I, I mean, our strength comes from God. I, I'm not sugarcoating that at all. Um, but I also believe that I have like God friends, Yeah, uh, you know, we talk about good friends. I have God friends. <laughs> Those yep. are the friends <laughs> that God put in my life. And uh, Dave Gray's one of those. Uh, I don't know if you remember Scott Whaley from back in Cleveland, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Scott's been one of them through the years, and and my friend Ken Tuck, and of course my wife. You know, they 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 are my God friends. Uh, they're they're the ones that are there when when God knows I need I need I need someone to carry me. <laughs> That's they always show up when I need carried. Um, but you, you, we've been we've been blessed though, Chad. Um, you know, I, I know I've been kind of talking about the importance of a grind, um, but also with the grind comes great rewards. And, you know, you're just talking about the trophy. And I, I just, when you said that, my eyes glanced up and I just caught a little trophy that I just got at a convention. So seven years ago, I started in the life insurance industry. I didn't know the difference between term life and whole life. <laughs> Chad, I was just, I was just dumb. I was dumb. <laughs> I, I, was, I was probably the worst life insurance agent to ever start in the business. <laughs> I knew so little that I didn't even know to take an application with me when I met with clients, Chad. Corey, I went to my first client, my first seven clients without an application because <laughs> I didn't know. Sure. Nobody told me and I didn't, I knew nothing about the life insurance business. I look at this trophy now and it is, it is kind of sentimental to me um, because we did $14 million last year. Wow. Right. So in seven years from being the dumbest, craziest, most unlearned life insurance agent on the planet to now owning one of the largest insurance agencies on the planet. I um, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't know. Now, to be clear, I didn't make 14 million. When I say 14 million, that's what our agents made. So we, we make sure that our agents get paid very well. That's awesome. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, and, and to reflect back to what you were saying, I, I think the, the uh, participation trophy was summed up best. He's, he's passed away in the last few years. You remember Rush Limbaugh? I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. He would say he called it the wussification of America. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I think that's what we deal with, Chad, and kind of getting back to, to what you were saying. I think um, I think we got so many helicopter parents, man. Yes. I mean, their kids fall down. They don't even they don't even give them a chance to cry. They're right there to rescue them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're fine. You're, <laughs> you know, I mean, I hit my head a million times, grandson. Keep going. I'm okay. Right. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I beg him to put his helmet on that boy. He's an eight year old daredevil. So I don't know if you saw on, on Facebook yesterday, I put, I, I put on there. Now my brother, you never met my brother. My brother's flat crazy. Okay. we He was crazy at the age of two. <laughs> So, so we, you know, West Virginia, we don't have any teeth. We don't, we marry our sisters, you know, all that stuff. So we go, my brother used to have these two cinder blocks and he put a board on it and tried to jump mud puddles. Right. And then one day he took my sister's bike, tried to jump it on my sister's bike, ended up getting stitches. So I told him, I told Wyatt about it yesterday. I didn't get that out of my mouth. I looked up and there he is. Has he Aaron our our garden apart, taking the blocks, went and found a metal shelf, took the shelf, made a ramp out of it. <laughs> Boom, there he goes. I was like, 
get a helmet on, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, he, 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 and he he races dirt bikes already, and and it's just oh, it's it, it's it's scary as a grandparent. Oh. Grandparenting has scared me more than that's parenting. That's my kind of kid sure. right there. He's going to do it bigger and better. Because yeah. <laughs> I actually like my grandkids. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. That's I funny. My kids. <laughs> so uh, I guess I better brag on them since I just said that. Um, Mikey's done very well. You probably haven't seen either of them since they were pre-teens. Yeah. Um, Mikey went through a real hard time in his life, lost one of his eyes, uh, and became a championship motocross racer with one eye. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. One Alabama, Florida, Georgia's championship racer. Does those big 110-foot jumps, looks back at you, clicks his heels up over the handlebar, does all that stuff. Um, it, it's amazing. You know, people, like when he's out practicing, people stop. And uh, on the road at the track where he practices and they watch him and you can tell their eyes just get bigger and bigger. And I'm like, if they only knew he was blind, you know, I used to tell the guys he was racing against. I said, Hey, if Mikey's drifting left, get out of the way. He does not see you. So, So, um, and and Brooke is, I, I keep saying this. I don't know if it's prophetic or just a pathetic father. I believe Brooke will be the governor of the state of Alabama one day. Really? I do. Yeah. Wow. Brooke is, I'm going to tell you, um, a lot of people through the years have complimented me for leadership. Let me tell you, that girl, I can't hold a stick to her. Wow. She is, she is definitely one of the best leaders I've ever met in my life. And I'm talking John Maxwell, people you and I know. She's she's got that it factor about her where peep she's just if she's not the governor of Alabama she'll be someone very very important wow. and she already is um, but I'm telling you man she is she's pretty amazing so that's awesome I love I am proud of both my kids uh, I love them dearly and they've given me three grandkids that I get to send home when I don't want them anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, I really, I didn't, uh, I didn't know really what was going on with either of them. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, they're doing good. Awesome. The Schiffer Lending Team with Canopy Mortgage is proud to bring you this episode of the Business Rents Podcast. Being a great leader means leaving a legacy. One of the common ways people leave a financial legacy at home is through real estate. At the Schiffer Lending Team, we are honored to be a part of that journey. If you'd like to explore what that might look like for you, reach out to us by email, home at schifferlendingteam.com. I want to kind of talk about something I was thinking about leading uh, before we started today. Um, Something that I haven't really talked about with other guests, but I think you have a really cool perspective on um, is the idea that, you know, a lot of times people in leadership only have experience um, sort of like in the, in the corporate world, you know, whether that's a manager a CEO running their own business, like what, whatever that may be. I think going back um, a ways for you and, and talking about you being a pastor, one of the things that I think really develops a leader that a lot of people never experience is having the opportunity to lead volunteers. Um, because you, you know, when you're, when you have control or, or authority over somebody's employment over their paycheck um a lot of people use that leverage to lead right like and and the other side of that coin is people look at you as somebody who has that control over them and people some people are great leaders some people are are just managers and that relationship isn't healthy but either way i think it's a very 
different, unique situation to lead people to have teams that work with you that are volunteer based because um if you don't do a good job as a leader they can just say see ya <laughs> you know they they it I, I have balloons going up on my screen i don't know what that was all about <laughs> um, live podcasting bro <laughs> they so like when you're working with volunteers um i mean i feel like it really develops and challenges you as a leader because you have to build those relationships and you have to get buy-in and it really is all, all about you doing that developing those relationships because there's not the leverage of a paycheck there's not the leverage of you know if if you aren't showing up then i'm gonna let you go and you can go find a job somewhere else and i think that having experience leading volunteers translates and helps um really well leading at home because ultimately um you know when our kids are young that leadership is more do this don't do that type you know you're trying to protect your kids you're trying to raise them to know right from wrong but then as they get older and become adults i feel like we want to have that relationship where you're not telling them what to do you're not directing them but you want to be more of a a friend and a counselor and somebody they can come to and so it's all about having a healthy relationship and so if you don't mind maybe talk a little bit about what that experience um was like for you just in terms of you know that leadership and maybe how it translates or talk about your relationship with your kids now, you know, versus when they were little and how that has evolved, I guess, over the years. Yeah. So the quickest evolution I can tell you, or the funniest is I used to be their parent and now they are mine. Right. <laughs> I used to tell them what to do. Now they tell me what I can do. <laughs> oh my God. So annoying. I'm like, sometimes I have to look at Brooke and say, Brooke, you know, I'm 54 years old. Right. <laughs> I can, I can make these decisions. So, uh, yeah, so that's a great question. And, and I know you could probably do a whole podcast alone or a series on the thought of lead. Let's start with the thought that you posed leading volunteers. Um, those are people that you don't pay. And you said a key word. It is buy in. Um, if they if you present something as a leader that people can buy into. They don't have to get paid. Um, they won't always want to get paid. They'll understand I'm coming as a volunteer, but I believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, in church work, and that is, gosh, that was 95% of everybody who ever served with me in the ministry did so on a volunteer basis. Sure. Now, eventually we grew our church to a place where we did have staff. Um, it was limited staff, um, and I always uh, always dreamed of having a big staff. I, I never got there, but um, I think it comes into buy-in. Um, it also comes into people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, okay? Right. Uh, and I know that's stolen from John Maxwell, I, I will tell you. So um, speaking of Maxwell, so I'm having lunch with Andy Stanley and John Maxwell one day. And I'm talking to them and just, you know, we're, you know, when you're with two greats, you just sit there with all these, my brain was like churning, man. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm having lunch. I'm sitting by Andy Stanley and, and had a few words with, with uh, Maxwell. And I'd asked a question about this. And I said, how do you, or do you treat your volunteer leaders different than you do your paid leaders? Mm. And he said, absolutely not. That's not even, and, and he said something to the effect of that's even a dumb, like that's a dumb question. Um, it's a no brainer really. Mm. And then the guy sitting in the, in the meeting with us, he happened to be a volunteer staff person. And he said, I don't want my pastor to treat me any different than he does his paid staff. If I'm not doing a good job, I need to know it. If he doesn't need me to do it any longer because I'm not being effective, I need to know that. 
So I took that with me uh, back to leading the church that I was at because I, I personally, I struggled with it because I was like, these guys are volunteering their time. And you know, when you're in a small church, it's, it's like, um, since my favorite people on the planet are worship leaders, <laughs> um, um, and you know, it's, when you get a good one, even though they may have some, some integral issues, you kind of, why? Because you, you're desperate. Right. You, so it, it, it can, let's get off the worship leader and say it's the youth pastor. Okay, or the children's director, or whatever, your Sunday school teacher. Um, I just decided a few years into the ministry that I was going to hold them accountable when they did something wrong. If it was, if if they did something blatantly wrong as a leader, I had to deal with it. I, and being here in South Alabama, man, I'll tell you, I, when I first got here, guys, some of the first things I had to deal with was was racism within the church. Mm. And, and I wasn't about to be part of it. So I did two things. I had some people stuck their heads up, um, talking about African-Americans in a way that they shouldn't have, especially in the church. Uh, I took great exception to what they were saying. So I just went and filled up a bus full of little black kids and brought them to church. That's what I did. And I told them that number one, that kind of language, I don't care how you grow up in the South. And I'd let this guy become a leader in the church. He said, well, that's just how we talk in the South. I was like, well, I don't care how you talk in the South. You're talking about people. And whenever you use the N-word like you're using, what you're doing is you're offending people. Mm-hmm. And he offended, I mean, I found out he was trying, it seemed like he was on a quest to offend everybody. Mm. And I eventually told him, I said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to stop and I'm confronting you in person. Or secondly, what's about to happen, I'm going to confront you with the elders of the church. And then if you don't stop using that kind of language and destroying people, I'm going to bring your name before the entire church. Right. Guess what he did? He stopped. Good. Right. I share that to say this. If it was a paid staff person, I would have fired him. Sure. Right. Um, And I eventually did ask him not to be part of our ministry team. The other thing is, is you, you have to care for people. And your leaders, when you have leaders that are, especially in the church, that are volunteering their time, you have to care about them. And when they have life issues, I think in the, in the boy, I'm going to say something. I hope I don't get in trouble, but if I do, it won't be the first time. <laughs> um, I have never been the type of pastor that says, I'm the man of God. You have to bow down to me. Mm-hmm. I've never led with that mindset. And I hate it. Um, I I think it's narcissistic, controlling, manipulative, every word you can ascribe to it. Um, But I do believe that, I mean, people always did care for us. But as the leader with guys that were volunteering their time after they worked 10, 12, 14, 15 hour days, Corey, men would bring, here's the way I looked at it. Guys that were helping me lead the church, not only were they giving up their time, guys, they were the most faithful in giving money to the church. Mm. You see, so they're not just giving their time, they're giving their resources. And guess who they brought to church? Their family. And they often brought other people to church. Those were, and and when, when life hits those guys, and I, I think a lot of times, we as leaders, when our when our leaders that are supporting us, when they go through hard times, I don't think we're there enough for them. Mm. And but we expect them to be there for us. So I made it a point that when leaders had hard times, I was there for them. Yeah. And I was honest with them about my personal life. I never made it sound like. Listen, guy. I mean, you ain't got to be around me five minutes, Chad. You know I'm a very big sinner, right? <laughs> I sin with the best of them, right? So the leaders in the church, they knew that I never, I didn't look at myself as super holy, super spiritual. Um, and I think that helped develop a relationship where they could talk to me about their personal lives as well. And 
And when they would share something personal, maybe a sin they were dealing with, and I didn't immediately yank them out, and they still got to serve, it let them know, I think it let them know, hey, this guy wants me to develop. Now, obviously, they weren't doing nothing hideous. You know, we all sin, but I'm not talking something hideous. Um, So so I will tell a hideous story. Uh, A guy I was very close to, loved him, mentored him for years. Years I mentored this guy. And um, him and his wife got a divorce. I asked him to take some time off. He did exactly what I asked him to do. He came back to the church and he started dating someone real quick. I said, hey, bro, don't tell me in two months you feel like God's telling you to get married because I ain't listening. Because I knew where it was going to go. Because I knew what he would struggle with, if you know what I'm putting down here, right? So everybody picking up (laughs) what I'm putting down. Right? So... I knew what he'd struggle with. And eventually he made that mistake. And he was telling our teenagers not to do that. Mm-hmm. And he was a volunteer and I had to let him go. Mm-hmm. Because that was too hideous not to take a step on. Does, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So I think very long answer to a great question. We have to treat our volunteers just like we're paying them. Right. You know, everybody that makes a mistake on my paid staff now, I don't fire them. But people that aren't performing, people that don't do their job, I fire them. Right. So, you know, one one of the hardest things I ever had to do is I remember firing my first paid church staff. I remember that. (laughs) That was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. It was easier to let a volunteer go that I was close to than, and here's, because here's how I look at it. In a way I'm helping provide for these families. Mm, And when I take money out of their pocket, they're not able to provide. And I, I remember that was one of the, and I've gotten pretty good at it now. Now it's like, Hey, I'm not going to get, you know, (laughs) Hey, uh, we're not going to be around the bush here. I I don't need you anymore. Bye. (laughs) You know, I've gotten pretty good. I've gotten pretty good at firing people. Um, but it it used to be, Oh, it would, it would break my heart to to have to let someone go. And, um, but yeah, I hope that's a, an okay answer to, did I answer your question? Okay. Yeah. We, we just gotta, we gotta love the people that are helping us lead and, and yes, volunteer leaders want to be treated like leaders. They don't want to be treated like second-class leaders, if I can put it that way. Yeah. What's something now? So, like, we're in similar stages of life where, um, like, we have now adult kids and grandbabies. And so um, I like to ask this question maybe it's better suited to ask it towards grandkids um, just because the, the kids are getting older now, but you know, when your grandbabies are watching you and they're watching you lead your insurance business and they're watching you lead other people. And as they grow up, what are some principles? I, I think grit, you know, we talked about that, but what are some principles for life principles for business that you hope, that your kids and grandkids, as they watch you, that they'll learn from you, that they'll take into their life, um, that they'll take into the marketplace or wherever life may takes them that, um, you know, that they would look back and say, I learned this from dad, or I learned this from grandpa. Um, and it, and it stuck with me. A thousand percent. I'm all, I'm fortunate, fortunately I'm old enough, um, that I'm seeing those rewards in my, in my adult children. Um, they constantly praise me for how hard Mm. I work. Okay. They also know that I don't, I'm not working so I can buy me fancy cars. I I work for, I, I want to take care of them. Scripture teaches that a good man, a good person leaves an inheritance for his children's children. When I'm dead and gone, I want my family to be well taken care of. And I want them to know, I want that to be a legacy, not just a personal legacy, but a spiritual legacy that, you know, that not only did I care about their spiritual lives and want them to follow Jesus, but I also wanted them to be well taken care of upon this earth. 
Um, and when I'm gone, I hope that they can look back and say, you know, that man worked hard for us. And at the same time, because I think sometimes we as men, I'll say it as a man, um, we use working hard and being away from them to work as as uh, our excuse to get away from them and to not work and to work and to not have to be there. I'm away working hard. I I work hard in this life so I can have life to spend mm. with them. Um, you know, I mean, Chad, it was years. And I say year when I say years, bro, it was years before I could afford a really nice vacation for my family. You know, so I mean, years and years, my kids were, I mean, we took vacations, but I'm talking one of them. Dang, that was <laughs> awesome. My kids were adults. Yeah. You know what I mean? before we could afford to do stuff like that. Um, so I think as far as my kids go, they, they always have viewed me as a hardworking man. Um, someone who they know I love them. Uh, I think one of the greatest memories I have is when my kids nominated me on the radio for, uh, when they were kids, kids. Um, the, see, I, I'm a, I'm an emotional wreck <laughs> these days too. So I'll try to hold myself together. Um, um, so the local radio station was doing a dad of the year thing. And do you know why I'll give you one chance to, uh, guess why my kids nominated me as father of the year. And they were little, they were fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Oh one goodness. guess. Okay. We don't <laughs> want dead air. I know that. <laughs> we don't want dead air. So I'll tell you. Do you know what my kids called the radio station and said, this is a secular radio station, played country or hip hop or something, I can't remember. Said every single night before we go to bed, my dad lays his hands on us and prays for us. And that's why they nominated me for father of the year. You know, I, I put on Facebook the other day, I was like, Brooke took a picture of me and Luella, who was her daughter, my granddaughter. We're just sitting at the table painting and she sent it to me and it hit me. I'm like, you know what? Brooke never came out to any of the work sites that I was at, took pictures of me. What's important is our family. What's important are our kids, our grandkids providing for them and doing everything we can. I have, there's been nights I didn't sleep because I was working to, to do my best to take yeah. care of them. Um, and, and now my wife's health isn't good, man. Um, and when, when it comes to the point that they tell me she has to have this done, I don't want money to be the right. obstacle. Yep. You know what I mean? So, um, now I got to really watch myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, I think when our families see that we're fighting for them, it makes them, makes us, makes them, it it allows them to respect us as men and women when we're fighting to give them a better life. Um, And I don't do what I do because my parents never gave me a good life. I I grew up in a $13,000 home in small town, West Virginia. I thank God for where I grew up. My mom and dad didn't raise me in church. We never went to church. I didn't, I didn't start going to church till I was in college. And I probably only went because me and my wife were dating at the time. I was trying to (laughs) shut her up. You know, um, um, I just, man, I just, I think what I, what I do, and it's not cliche with me. I know it is with a lot of people and and I hear it and you, you can tell, but my, it is not cliche with me. I do what I do for my family right. and that's why I do it. And that's why I work hard. That's why I grind like I do because I am getting older. One day I'm going to fall over dead and I want them to have the best life possible when I'm gone. And that's just the way I look at it. I think that the, the grinding, I think that like that's such a huge thing in this culture right now, especially with young people, because like, suicides and stuff kids don't know how to fight through to push through and so then you just give up 
And it's hard, you know, you mentioned being from a small town. I'm from a small town and Chad's from nobodyville. So, like, <laughs> but like to, to get wrapped up in, you know, you probably don't have a good people around you or a good support system or those people, but like teaching our kids push through and grind, push through, like it's tough today. People are mean today. Things aren't going your way today, but there is a tomorrow and it's not always going to be the same. You know, if you're from a tiny little town, there's more to this world than that tiny little place. So like expand it and look past what's happening right now. Um, Because I just feel like I hear it constantly with young people. That's not in my job description. That's not what I, I wasn't hired to do that. Like, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to. I'm just like, push through it, push through it, get past it, find out what you're made of and be a better person on the other side. Because even if you fail, you've learned something and you're better for it. Like it's not, failing isn't a bad thing. Not succeeding is the, the, the worst thing that you could do is not push, not try and just give up on yourself and then you're and give up on the people around you. I, I agree, Corey, because um, I, I said just, I put on my, I have a little leadership chat with the guys that are leaders in my insurance business. And I put on there, here's a leadership thought, never quit and learn to be flexible at mm. the same time. There's a lot to that. You got to, you got to press through it. So you want to hear a funny story? Yeah. You okay <laughs> if I tell you a funny story? So my son, you know, he grew up in a pastor's home. So everybody thinks I'm Mr. Strict. I'm actually like most people probably say you're really liberal, but <laughs> they Mr. Strict because I'm the preacher. Right? So my son turns 18 and what does every 18 year old want? Young man, he wants a tattoo, <laughs> right? I'm going to get a tattoo. My dad can't control me no more. Huh? And I never told him he couldn't get a tattoo. I just didn't want one. So, I mean, I'm older now. I've, I'm thinking I'm pushing 60 before my sa- my skin gets too saggy. I need to get one. Right. So, and so, but Mikey starts his own business, right? This is six, seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. He starts his own business and he, it's a lawn care business and he's done very well with it. He does commercial properties and things like that. And um, he comes in, he's like six months in, man, I'm sick of not having any money. He's just going off <laughs> like a big baby. I'm sick of not having any money. I'm sick of all these people that get everything handed to them. They got basically mad at me, I think, because, you know, I was still a struggling parent. Um, and, he said, and, and he says, yeah, these guys my age, I got parents that just hand them everything and, and this. And, and I just, I just, I don't want to have to go through this. And what he was saying is I don't want to go through the hard times. I just want to be able to collect a check and go to the beach and hang out and buy big trucks yeah. and all that. Right. I like side by sides and motorcycles and I want all that. Well, what he didn't realize was, you know, in the years I flipped the bill for all <laughs> that stuff. Right. So, so, um, so he's just going off and on and goes out the door and sticks his head back in. And he had gotten a tattoo right here on his bicep, right? And I didn't, I wasn't really saying anything. Mama's, Laurie's out there. I don't want to say this too loud, but she's helicopter. You know, she's helicopter. She's, she wants to take care of baby, right? So, so he goes out and she looks at me. He comes back in, sticks his head in, says one more thing. And the tattoo on his arm said, mindset is everything. And I simply (laughs) said, son, read your freaking arm. (laughs) That was the, and listen, that ended the conversation. You're right, Corey. These guys, a lot of the younger people today expect it. It's an entitlement is what it is. It's an entitlement mentality. Instead of, instead of, engaging and grinding and working and sacrificing. And I mean, Hey, you all own your own business. Have you ever had to put a lot of money in that you didn't (laughs) want to put into your business to keep your business going? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever paid your employees and didn't pay yourself? (laughs) Heck yeah. You have. Yeah, I have too. More times than I care to count. Um, so, so yeah, mindset is everything. I just, Remind him, read your freaking arm, boy. Well, I will definitely take you for your first tattoo. 
Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. You all remember me when I was skinny and playing <laughs> basketball. I, Dad, Dad is so like, he's so over me for this. Like, all of our kids, I mean, our all from the time they were 12, 13, I'm getting a tattoo, I'm getting a tattoo, I'm getting a tattoo. Jesse's like got like 12 or 13 tattoos. Cole's got like five or six. Dawson's got oh, like a. Funny. <laughs> Yep. I'm I'm gonna be the only holdout, I think. I have ne- I have never been against tattoos. I That's me too. Wanted. Yeah, I don't have a problem with them. I just right? not like, you know, don't get a tattoo. They're the, of the devil. <laughs> you know, nothing like gonna split hell wide open if you get a tattoo. Unless that tattoo's yeah, dead. Right? <laughs> yeah. <We're happy. laughs> oh jeez. Well, I I have um I want to ask a couple more questions. I feel like we're gonna have to do a second episode for sure because I just think there's a lot of great stories we could share and um hopefully that you know the plan is this podcast will be around for a while and we can have you back. But um I, I wanted to ask um just because I think it's a good question for any guest and you kind of touched at the beginning about you know how you've made mistakes and learned from them over the years and stuff. Um, and, and I know it'll be hard to pick a specific thing, but if if you could, and, and you could answer this for business or parenting or both, but if you could go back and do one thing differently, um, what would you do differently if, if you could go back? Oh, I would be a better steward of what God blessed me with. Mm. Cause there were times that I made a lot of money, even when I was in the ministry strug- in a small, not struggling in a small church, I always had a side hustle, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I did, I started eBay early two thousands and I still do it by the way, 24 years later, I'm mm. still a big eBayer. So I not only have an insurance agency, I have a, pretty good eBay business as well, which has led me down a ton of direction avenues that that's a <laughs> podcast in itself Talk about generating streams of income, how it all started. But, but I would, I would be mm. a better steward. Um, I should have a, I don't have a lot of money in the, in, for what I do. I should have mm. a lot more. Um, I should have, I should have given, I, I, I give, I love to give. I should have given more. Um, stewardship, um, stewardship and the lack thereof probably hurt my family more than I care to admit because I would, I didn't blow money. You know, I never, I, I was never extravagant. I think y'all know me well. I was never an extravagant person. I didn't right. live like that. Um, but I just didn't take, I just didn't, I didn't think I'm going to be 54 something. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm going to be eight years from retirement and still have to keep And the reason I have to grind is because I'm not ready mm. for retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know bar, barring I, I fall into sin and go play the lottery. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> which I've been known to do. <laughs> Um, um, you know, I, I just have not, I have not been a good steward. And for that, I hurt, I hurt my family at times. And I regret that, um, not taking care of money, not managing money properly when I knew to, um, because like I said, it hurt my family. Um, it hurt things that, that it's hurt me too. If I'd have had, there are times that I could have made some great, great business decisions and I couldn't go forward because right. I didn't have the money. If I, if I'd have had the money at certain times in my life, bro, um, it, this would be a whole nother situation, but because I didn't have the money to do things, ideas that I had, thoughts that I had, businesses, business ideas, uh, real estate that I wish that I had my eye on that I, dude, you, I mean, y'all are in the real estate 
Mark, you guys know it better than I do. I know that. But I had my eye on some real estate. And if I had just had a little bit of money, I could have done it. It would have set my family up for generations. Right. And I didn't. I couldn't do it. So stewardship, um, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to beat myself up for on the spiritual side. Cause honestly, I feel like I've given my family a pretty good spiritual legacy. Even as a pastor, I didn't turn them off to church or off to Jesus. I tried to always point them right. to Jesus, right. you know? No, but, I, yeah, that'd be, I love that answer and a hundred percent can relate. And I really hope that, you know, people listening, um, I really hope they take that to heart because it's, I mean, Corey and I can relate even, you know, recently in 2022, we had a really good year in mortgage, even being new in Oklahoma, things were going well. And, um, when things are going well, you kind of tend to think they're just going to keep going well, you know? And then, um, Corey had some health stuff at the beginning of 2023 that, uh, everything can change in an instant. And you just, you know, you never know when life's going to throw those curveballs at you. And so um, we had a lot of the same conversations of, man, we wish we would have put more away in 2022 when when we were just rolling along. And uh, so definitely um, totally understand that. And I think that that um, I think a lot of people would have that same answer. Um, especially I think people our age, <laughs> because, you know, I think we all fall into that at different times in life where, um, we, we just think it, when things are going good, you know, it's, it's easy to think, like I said, that they're going to stay that way. And, and then life throws something at you. And, and, um, so I, I appreciate, I appreciate yeah. that answer. Yeah. Yeah, um, sir. Well, one more, one more question I want to ask you. Um, Man, I'll all night. <laughs> I like to make sure um, that I always ask this question because I, I think it can um, really provide some value for the people listening. So, you know, if, if somebody's been listening to this podcast or they're in a place in life where they're in, inspired to grow as a leader or as a parent, um, but they just don't know how to take that first step, how to get started being a, whether it's a better leader at work, a better mom, a better dad, whatever the case. Um, what would you say to somebody who's like, man, I, I'm ready. I want to, I just don't know how to start. What's that first step? What would you encourage somebody to do to get started today on that journey of being their best? Wow, that's a great question. Um, man, you need to start a whole series with that <laughs> question. Uh, that, that's good. Um, because, man, my, my brain, I mean, I'm just churning through life as, as you're talking about that. So um, so that I answer this right, kind of say it one more time because I want to say this right. Will you word that Yeah, one so more if, time? if I want to get started today and I just don't know how to start, I, I want to do it, I want to be a better leader, or I want to be a better dad, I just don't know, like, what's that first step that I can take that's that's going to get me going on that journey? Okay. Number one, you have to seek God's guidance. Okay. I think, and I'm, I am the chief of guilty of this. Yep, good idea. Let's do it. And I don't mm. consult God, right? That's the leader in me. That's the leader in you. I bet a million dollars you've mm. done that before, Chad. <laughs> you've just said, yep, let's do it. No prayer needed, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever done it? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and then come find out, not immediately. The immediate re results are great, but long term, it has a kind of a negative effect on you, okay? Consult God. God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to be? I mean, hey, guys, I'll just be honest with you. You don't have to pray about whether God wants you to love your kids and your wife. Yes, <laughs> he does. It's in his word. Yes. Okay. But when you're talking about those avenues of life that maybe God has 
ordained you to walk down those avenues of life, you need to know where he wants you to go. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Okay. Um, so, so seek God's guidance about mm-hmm. where to go. Number two, depending on what it is, let's say, let's say it's family. You want to start a family. Your family has, you, you got to, the people that is going to be affected by this, they mm-hmm. need to know. Okay. Hun. So Chad, if it's you, Hey, Corey, listen, we have been praying as a family. We're going to start praying for five minutes, either at night or in the morning when we wake up. Hmm. That's the plan. That's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start together. We're going to work on this. So, so you got to get God involved. You got to get God's plan, and you've got to get the people that it's going to affect hmm. involved as well. So, oh, dumb, just dumb, back to money. Okay, I'll just tell you. As far as business goes, the decisions I made in business, a lot of it I struggled because I didn't plan financially to enter into whatever it was. Hey, there's a building available. Great, let's get it. Not a penny (laughs) to my name. Right? Doesn't make any sense, does it? But I would do it. I would open up businesses, bro, because the building was available. (laughs) Right? That's it. I did good with them. But long term, it hurt me because, you know, then, you, you know, th- there's that adrenaline. I get adrenaline still. I still get a freaking rush, man. I, I do. I You know, I, you know what's sad, Chad, is I still think I can fight. And I'll fight at the drop of a hat, too. You know what I mean? I will. I will fight at the drop of a hat. And I don't know why I like that. I mean, fi- I want to fist fight someone, you know. I'm like, hey, bro, man, I don't know why I'm like that. But, um, oh gosh, I, I get, I'm ashamed of myself sometimes. So anyway, um, if you're going to make a business decision, have mm. a plan. You can't wing this thing, man. You can't wing it. Um, and guys, if you're going to, if you, <laughs> I was at a, oh Lord, I'm, I know I'm about to get in trouble for this. You may <laughs> never have me back, but I'm going to go ahead. I was speaking at this conference, and I, w- I left the conference. All these young girls are young, young, pretty girls, 23, 24. I'm a big old fat guy, 54, 55, walking around there. All these pretty young girls yelling, you got to get paid to get laid. <laughs> you got, and they're yelling at me. You got to get, because I had just, I did a kind of a guys, if you want your wife to support you and if you want to get the hookup, you got to take care of your wife and go to work and quit talking about working. So I said, you got to get paid oh to get gosh. paid like that. So I got all these uh, and all these young guys. I mean, I got videos of it of people walking out of the conference going, getting paid to get laid. And they're just uh-huh. screaming it. So I have to sit there. All of a sudden, I got to fix what I just said, right? I'm like, hey, guys, that's meant for married people. Oh, my boyfriend, he's getting late. And I'm like, no, that's for married people. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. So the, the, the whole thing is, you, if you want your spouse to support you, you have got to go to work, and if they don't support you, prove mm. them wrong. Prove them wrong. They'll, they'll love you even more. Listen, when I started doing real well, do you do you think my wife held onto my arm more <laughs> or less? Seriously. And look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm no sexy stud here. <laughs> but she held my arm when we go into places. She held my, when we, there'd be a lot of pretty women around, she held my arm tighter. I noticed it. When we go through, listen now, I'm going to be truthful. When we go through difficult times, that arm <laughs> don't get held as tight. <laughs> That's the truth, guys. Guys, I, I, I'll speak to the men. I'll speak to the women, too. Um, 
women don't be intimidated by a man that's intimidated by you, is what I would like to say, because men will be intimidated if the woman is more successful than mm. he is. Don't let that happen. Show him respect. Show him love. But don't let him convince you not to follow your dreams. That's what I would say to a woman. And what I would say to a man is step up, bruh. Quit being a punk. Quit being a baby. And mm. freaking go to work. Because if you get paid, you're going to get paid. <laughs> And if you don't, you won't. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So I know we I know I'm getting heavy editing now. But it it is the it is the truth, guys. Uh, it's the truth. You want your back Listen, we're just trying to have honest conversations. Right. That was that's the tagline of our podcast is having honest conversations about leadership in the community and at home. And that's, that's honest conversation right there. So. Well, the tagline of this video is get paid to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine that will get us the most listens. (laughs) Listen, it's all about marketing, bro. None of those people will ever forget what you taught them. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I I agree. And I, I'm sweating now thinking about it because I've had to explain <laughs> myself several times. On the you know, it's just one of the heat of the moment things. And I just blurted it out. And I was like, those are great. My CEO smacked me on the back. <laughs> and that was good. So I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Well, Mike, it is, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. And um, we definitely appreciate it and appreciate the person that you are. And, and um, we've, we've, like you said, we haven't got to talk out loud in quite some time, but we've always appreciated your friendship and um, just appreciate your willingness to join us and, and look forward to more, more and more conversations with you. Well, the same goes true from me to both of you. Uh, I have always loved both of you from the second I met you. You guys have just you're you're just you're just good people, and and uh, I appreciate both of you and, and love you too. We love you too. <laughs> if you enjoyed this content, hit subscribe or follow, and share the show with a friend. Thanks for listening to the Business Rents Podcast, made possible by the Schiffer Team with Canopy Mortgage.